girls I join Hello, Amarin. How are you today? Hi, Jesse. I'm pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, behind the scenes, Amarin and I are learning about time zones. Did you guys know that there are time zones and that Missouri and Idaho are in different ones? Neither of us are raising our hands, just FYI. Um, We have really been fighting to, not with each other, but just fighting against time zones to co-opt and understand what's going on here. And, um, yeah, we still somehow have managed to have a two hour <laughs> misalignment this morning, but we are here and excited to get as culty as possible for, yeah, for the time being. That's what matters, you know, and that's the kind of attitude you should have as well. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. People get, get on the cult train. I think it's a bus. It's most likely a bus. Just get on. Yeah. Just get on there now. It can't be a train. Yeah. That would be a little different. Maybe a European cult, but yes. Yeah. We would need a bus. Yeah. (laughs) American cults on trains. Come on. (laughs) We're not that progressive. Oh, come on. We don't have the infrastructure to support that, Jesse. Oh, it's jokes. I love it. All right. So, Amarin, I think, so this week I was, I always try to think of like fun, like ways to make you guess who the group is that we're going to be talking about. Um, And this week I, I, I just don't know if you know this group or not. So rather than like trying to make you guess a group that you may or may not be familiar with, I'm going to tell you this is a group that is near and dear to my heart. It's a group that I have spent a whole lot of time in. Um, it's it's one of the main reasons that I started a podcast called Cults I Would Join because this is a cult I would join and I followed them around a lot and I want to exhaustively talk about them. So we get to do it right now. I won't keep you here all day. <laughs> That's okay. If we need to be here all day, we'll just come back and, and be here all day. Just all We're talking about this group all day. Get into it, people. Take your pants off. Unbutton everything. Unclasp your bra. Get comfortable. Okay. So rather than making you guess, I'm just going to tell you about the first time that I went to this group and what the experience was like. And then if you can guess who it is, you can tell me. And otherwise, at least like I'll be walking you into this group for your first I see. time. Okay, I'm ready. Cool, cool. All right. So this group is and those of you who are out there and, and are also really into cults, this is a fairly recognizable one. If that's your bag, um, they're messianic, which is a really big hint. They're all over the globe which is a really big hint. Um, but the first time that I went, so um, I'm here in the Midwest and I uh, they have communities everywhere. So I went to a community here in the Midwest and I was so excited to go. The costuming is exquisite and you know that that's my thing. So I lived on a hippie commune at the time. And as you'll recall, it was never culty enough for me. So I was looking for a, a cultier scene. I found these people. So I go out, I leave my commune, I get on the appropriate outfit, I get there, it's a couple, it's like a three hour drive from where I was. So I get there for uh, church service. So this group meets every single morning and every single meeting, but they do like have a special, like the Sabbath is still a bigger deal. So I happen to be going for a Sabbath. Um, So I get there bright and early, I'd like left before the sun came up. 
and I go in and there's, so there's a beautiful mansion house and then there's like a little side cafe business that they have. So I go, I'm, these are also heavy handed hints if you know this group, but okay. uh, so I go into the, they told me to go into the caf, cafe part. So it was all, all the tables are pushed back and everything and there's just chairs in a circle. Mm. Um, and I come in. So all of the women are, they all have long hair either just long or in a braid back. They all have scarves on their heads as head coverings tied in kind of the the Jewish way, um, Ah. which I cannot remember the word for and I won't butcher it. Okay. Hurt everyone's ears. Um, uh, They all have long dresses. They have um, bloomers. They, this group loves bloomers and they have the best bloomers in the whole world. And I have searched for years to get my hands on a pair. I haven't gotten any yet, but Mm -hmm. I have worn them. Um, their bloomers are very specific to their group. If you saw them anywhere, you would recognize their bloomers. They're like kind of hmm. big balloony pants that end in a, a plain cuff at the bottom that make a poof. Oh. So the cuff is tight around your ankle. So they're kind of like harem pants. Oh, yes. I'm quite familiar with harem pants. They were very popular for a second while I was in high school. <laughs> yes. Yes. Only they're made of linen and they're a bit balloonier and they look very plain and religious they're they're a great aesthetic so balloony pants long skirt over that probably uh loose shirt uh and then a smock over all the dresses or shirts as well and then a scarf head covering with long hair down or braided so that's what all the women look like that's what all the little girls look like all the men have like loose nondescript pants loose shirt kind of a vest or a smock over their shirt as well they've all got a beard not a long beard a trimmed beard or no that's not true i can't even remember now if if some of them have played faces i'll have to think back on that but they all have kind of just below shoulder length hair which is pulled back in a ponytail with a leather headband around their heads and all the little boys have that as well so you walk into the room. This is how everyone is dressed. I was dressed that way, too, because I, I was prepped to come dress that way. So I walk in and immediately they're just right. like, oh, hello, sister. Welcome. Come on in. Have a seat. And I'd say truly before my hips made contact with the chair they offered me, a child had handed me a cup of organic iced hibiscus tea and another child had handed me like an organic, like perfect <laughs> little cookie. Right. So. I mean, before I even was in a fully seated position, there was organic, delicious, homemade goodness in my hand. Rushed to provide nurturance. Yes. Amazing. And every visit subsequently, I've been fed that organically and quickly. It's pretty great. So then they pull out like they've got hand drums, they've got guitars. It's all acoustic, but like, and then they just start worshiping. They do a lot of the circle Hebrew dances that I never get tired of that I've done in other churches as well, but it's like totally their thing. And it was just like, it was kind of like being at a rainbow gathering, which they do recruit at rainbow gatherings. So that's not a surprise. Um, They, uh, like it's a drum circle, but it's a worship service. They do it every morning. They just do it even more on the Sabbath Um, after the worship service. And then like, then there's a word from, you know, a couple of people. It's a little Quakery in that, like people feel free to speak their, their hearts, but there is like someone who got up and said something that they expected him to get up and say, um, Uh, there's a planned speaker. There's a planned speaker, but, but there's a lot of freedom to add to that from people. 
Um, then there's prayer. And then afterwards, we all go into the mansion nice. house. And I call it, it's a huge house. So we go into the big house. And uh, and then we are all served just this, you know, long, plain wood tables. Everybody sits down together. We're served this beautiful organic meal of like a whole fish and organic rice and organic vegetables and fresh baked bread and just like a buffet of beauty. Yeah, it was. Of course it was. <laughs> I bet that rice was wild, baby. I bet it was delicious. I bet that it was all grainy and colorful. Gleaned from the purest hills. Yeah. So anyway, I whole fresh fish was enough for me. Please go on. That's just so exciting. Oh, with the eyeball staring at you, it was it was that's the best kind. That's how you know it's from the source, baby. If the eyeball is there, that's like a human primal thing, you know, because like fish eyes rot really easily. Sorry, this is a gross thing to say. It's the morning, but like they do. So if you can see a roasted fish with a nice, with its eyeballs intact, it's a like a biological confirmation that that is good food and nourishing. So I, anyway, thank you. I just want, I just wanted to tell you that you should eat fish with eyes. I know people can be a little resistant to it. I felt a little wigged out at first, but also, and this is not a, a podcast about eating, but eat the fish with the eyes in it. Now, moving on to the more important facets of this. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think you nailed it. That's really important. Um, <laughs> thank you. Eating fish. Oh, it was amazing. And then just like, uh, again, like I couldn't sit down in this place without being handed organic, healthy, amazing food. So uh, mm. if if ever I sat too long, like just talking with somebody, somebody would eventually put a plate next to me with an organic tofu sandwich. And it was like a slab of delicious marinated grilled tofu and like two inches of sprouts and cucumbers and hummus. And like, just if I just was there for too long, there was for sure going to be another tofu sandwich and more hibiscus tea or yerba mate tea, which are the two Good things that they drink like all day long. Gracious. Okay. It's heavenly. That does genuinely sound like heaven. You know, when I said heaven would have snacks, throw back to a different episode. This sound, this is getting closer. We're definitely there. And for it to be so like nourishing. Oh, I don't even know. This is like, for me, this feels like it heals like a child wound almost. Not that I didn't get fed as a child because I got fed all the time as a child. And I was given lots of lovely snacks, even these snacks. So I don't want to misrepresent my parents, but um, I don't know. There's just something about other people caring for you and showing up for you so immediately. Like that's, that's a great, I, I wouldn't want to call it a tactic, but it's such a great use of your provision of resources right like it's such a useful way to engage with people coming into your community and members within i would say that's true that's really smart i hadn't thought of it that way hospitality is actually like one of their tenets of faith and um it's extremely important to them um but yeah it made me feel very safe i um did not i came up pretty rough and i all of my food issues are survival based and so um i have nightmares in which people like uh, ongoing nightmares as an adult in which people are like hurry up and get in the car we're going somewhere and I'm like I haven't packed any food and it's terrifying to me so to go to the 12 tribes and be nourished like that I went to a doctor once because I wasn't sure if I'd broken my arm uh and the doctor did an x-ray and he goes did you grow up in America (laughs) I was like yeah and he said um oh well your bones are hollow Like from malnutrition. <laughs> I was like, cool. oh my gosh, Jesse. <laughs> that's literally why I'm not in roller derby, which I otherwise would have for sure done. Honestly, I'm laughing not because, one, because that was a very serious thing to hear, but two, 
I that makes so much sense. I've never thought to myself, why isn't Jesse in roller derby? But in this moment, I just the stars kind of aligned. And I was like, why have I never asked myself why Jesse isn't doing roller derby? You'd be perfect, except for the bones. They've got great costumes, and I have my whole stripper bag. Yeah. You and yeah, no, you'd be an amazing well, at least we know in an alternate lifeline where there is more food provided to you, which should have happened. Um that I think you're a badass, rough and tumble, knocking them down, roller derby gal, and I won't hear it any other way. So okay. Thank you. If I had bone marrow, I would for sure be out there. I think that's fine. I think that's a good standard to have. Yeah, I, I think you should do that one. And I think it's good to know your limits as, as the doctor informs you of them, even if they're a little hard to take in. <laughs> I was like, these bitches will snap me in half. Yeah, good good, good self-awareness. Some of those ladies are truly <laughs> built of concrete. So that's not, not the greatest call. <laughs> Okay, I love it. And I have bird bones. Also, can we talk about roller derby in the future? Because clearly we have a lot of passion about it. That'd be fun. I'm serious. Okay, I love it. I'll tell you, I, I even had a roller derby name picked out and I can never do it. So I'll just tell you, it was the Spanish Inquisition. Oh, <gasps> cute. It is so sweet. No one expected the Spanish. No one expects it. No one expected the Spanish Inquisition. That's a nerdy, excellent choice. I'm... I'm obsessed with it. Honestly, we got to move on because I can't stop thinking about the various ways that you would look in, in great roller derby look. I know. Some signs and stuff. Does I, ah, freaking out. Okay, moving on. Back to the... I don't. We don't even know the name of this group yet. I need to focus up. <laughs> You're right. And we're, we're almost 13 minutes in. So I'm back at this community. I'm in a long dress. I'm in bloomer pants and a smock and a scarf. Everything that roller derby is not. Get back in here with me. I'm drinking hibiscus and yerba mate tea. I'm eating tofu sandwiches and whole fish. It's beautiful. Uh, I will pause now. I have many, many more things to say, but that is the world that I was entering into. Also, everyone there has a Hebrew name. So nobody is named Bob, right? Like the guy who was my contact was named Mevaser. Oh my gosh, what a beautiful name. Ugh. Isn't it? His daughter's name was Raquel. Um, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit of just real, real quick. Their backstory was that he had been a single dad and he had uh, taken his daughter. They had been, I believe, recruited at a rainbow gathering, as a matter of fact, or a dead okay. show. I can't remember. Um, but they, they came in. <laughs> Love it. He brought his daughter in, you know, to this group. And so she had not been born and raised there, but she had come in when she was like eight to 10, something like that. And she was a teenager mm-hmm. and she was actually getting ready to get married. And I was like, wow, so you're you're all in then, huh? And she was like, well, there's nothing edifying in the world. I was like, I like you already, Ra- <laughs> Raquel. <laughs> so. Oh, my. Okay. My first, my first, um. My first hackles are going up, unfortunately. I, my my triggering is coming in. I don't know. We may get a little too into my triggering in this episode, but that, my, that made me feel this is hitting a little close to my my region. Yeah, this this felt a little... For, for those who don't know, and God, I hope my ex-fiance isn't listening to this podcast. If you are, please turn it off. Um, anyway, I was engaged to a gentleman when I was quite young as well. And sometimes talking about like religious requirement and engagement at a young age can be really challenging for me. Um, however, not like I can't talk about it, but I get, just can get very resistant to it. So I want to acknowledge my bias right here as you've said that. Okay. 
You know, speaking of that, my ex Zendik boyfriend that we've talked about figured out like a, a life hack with me, which was that he could trigger my childhood trauma if he wanted me to do something. By when I was like, "No, fuck that! I'm not going to do that. You're not my boss." And then he would say, "Jesse, I'm the man," and that's what I said. And I would do it because I was so trained. I would be like, I could beat that man. I could. At this point, I've had nothing but romantic distant visions of the like an an asshole behavior also a little bit. But, you know, just distant stuff from Zendik boyfriend. This one hurts a little bit. This one makes me feel like maybe I'm going roller derby and he's up next. You know, that's I don't know. That's really funny because that's like the one thing I don't hold against him. He he doesn't even think that way at all. He just literally was like, oh, I found what works on Jesse. (laughs) Okay, well, you know, maybe he was just a little he wasn't quite sociologically bright enough to know the trauma of that. Okay, we'll let him we'll let it go again. again. (laughs) Well, we'll let it go for now. We loved each other because of our bonded trauma memory. So he was he was as abused as I was, which is saying a lot. So anyway, okay, guys, for the love of God, we're at minute 16. I'm going to tell you where I was. Where were you? I need to know. Do you have a guest or shall I just tell you? Um, You know, I don't have a guest. I, I picked up a lot of good threads. I can tell that we've got something, you know, we're pulling in a lot of Hebrew stuff. There's a lot of things that seem close to Judaism, I would say as well, you know, just with the head coverings and things. A lot of interesting stuff there. I am getting the vibe that this is a church that, that is following Christian text, though. Just based off what you've said, that's my only summation. So please tell me where we're at here. Amber and I want to welcome you to the 12 tribes. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. So I've heard of the 12 tribes, but I am not, this is not one of my cults that's in my pocket that I'm super familiar with. So this is exciting for me. Yes. It's fully in my pocket. I'm super familiar. I've stayed there. You're very in there. Yeah. (laughs) I love it deeply. I, I have nothing bad to say about it. Although in fairness, I'll say the bad things that other people say about we it. We must. Okay. Um, okay. Let's get into the 12 tribes. I'm going to give you the structure yes. first real, real quick. So here's the rundown. The 12 tribes. The first thing that you'll find when you come to the 12 tribes is they will immediately correct you if you refer to them as Christians. They do not consider themselves to be Christians. They hate that word. They feel that all other religions are fallen, particularly Christian religions. They refer to themselves as the disciples of the son of god okay the disciples yeah so yeah when you say you're christians they will say no we are disciples okay yeah i can respect that as somebody that understands that the word christian has become pretty saturated in today's society i can understand a differentiation absolutely i also happen to love the word disciples um I know the definitional difference, but I do prefer apostles. Um, that being said, I would so I would just change the definition and steal that word instead. But I love it. I'm so excited. <laughs> you, thank you. That's right. I will. Listen, that's your cult rules. You can build it however you want. Um, <laughs> also, they refer to Jesus as Yeshua. They will never, you'll never hear them call, again, if you said Jesus, they would correct you and say Yeshua. And we'll get into that in a bit. They are Messianic. So that Messianic would mean that they follow uh, Christian theology and utilize the New Testament, but that they uh, follow the traditional Jewish uh, ceremonies, diet, general lifestyle guidelines, right? So that's the 12 tribes. Uh, they have between two and 3,000 members kind of always in flux. They're all over the globe. Um, their communities are completely linked up. They're called the 12 tribes. Because, by linked up, I mean like people travel in and out of the communities constantly. It's just a, an, a, a flow of people at all times. Okay. Um, they're called the 12 tribes specifically because they believe that uh, the globe, uh, they're, they're, um, 
they're proselytizers. They believe the what a lot of Christians believe, which is that everybody has to have a chance to convert before the end comes, right? So they they have the globe sectioned off into twelve sections. Okay all of which are named for the 12 tribes of Israel. So oh. whatever geographic area you are living in, you are a member of that tribe of the yeah. 12 tribes. So I'm in the Midwest. I was in Manasseh. So the guy who toured me around was named Mevaser Manasseh. Oh, that makes sense. Right. So that's so cool. Yeah, It does make sense. I have one follow-up question because that is so cool and makes so much sense. Would that name pass to another person? Yeah. <laughs> with or is that name his for life and potential yes right forever okay there was just a really nice correlation between between what you were saying about like him being the one that brought you in and the region that you found yourself in so i was like well was there a like would there would that name pass to the next person that was like the external face so i just wanted to check because i wasn't sure but that this was just a beautiful beautiful correlation of things yes okay i actually don't know if he if it like it was his community job i don't remember how i got linked up with him other than that i contacted the 12 tribes and they were like we'll put you in contact with Mevisair. So I don't, you know, um, and he very kindly actually came out and visited my community as well, per my invitation. I don't think they loved it, but I just thought he might be interested in other communal settings. Um, I don't think he was, but I think he probably found it an interesting, like, intellectual experience. Um, I forced everyone to wear their shirts that day. That <laughs> that seems good. That seems kind. Yes. Yeah. Listen, they do it for cops, so they can do it for people from the 12 tribes <laughs> that's right that's absolutely right <laughs> i also like ushered him out before sundown i was like and off we go <laughs> so glad you came <laughs> and you've seen enough thanks so much for coming and there's the door wow <laughs> looks like they're firing up the drum circle fire over there so we're just gonna scoot you on down the road tell you what that is a closed event for you i'm gonna head out yeah <laughs> all right so here we are we are uh, at the founding of the 12 tribes the 12 tribes was founded by a man named Gene Spriggs, who is now known as Yonek because no one keeps their English names. Um, it sprang out of the Jesus movement in the 70s. The group called itself an attempt to recreate the first century church as described in the book of Acts. If, if there are listeners who don't know the book of Acts, it's all about uh, how the early church lived communally and shared everything in common. So uh, any any communal Christian group is going to refer to the book of Acts because they're, they're trying to recreate the original church, which shared everything in common. Uh, so no surprise there. Uh, they started out as a ministry for teenagers called the Light Brigade. In 1972, the ministry operated out of a small coffee shop called the Lighthouse in the home of Gene Spriggs and his wife, Marcia. They began living communally pretty quickly, and they opened a restaurant called the Yellow Deli. Perhaps you've heard of that if you live in any major city in our country. Members of the Light Brigade, which was this kind of teen movement coming out of that church, originally were all this. They were part of a Presbyterian church, of all things. Um, but there became a lot of friction pretty quickly because they'd already started living communally, which isn't a real Presbyterian thing to do. Um, and then they started bringing poor people and people of color to church with them, which was also not a Presbyterian thing to do in 1972. And then it all came to a head in 1975 when the group arrived at church on Saturday morning and found that church had been canceled for the Super Bowl. Oh, what a timely, funny thing to hear. Oh, my gosh. 
That's hilarious. The Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> In the timeline of history, we're recording right before the Super Bowl, everybody. Um, you'll hear this much later and you'll know who won the Super Bowl at this point, but we don't know right now. We don't, which is a cool thing about time. Just like time zones, uh, time also, Pat. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, guys. <laughs> we are unmoored from time and space. Yeah, we're just divine. Yeah. <laughs> so at that point, they were like, fuck this, we're out. They, they're they done with the Presbyterian church. And I think the Presbyterians were just like, phew, the Presbyterians were probably all at church, but just like hiding behind the closed door with the football sign. And they were like, this is going to this will be their last straw. <laughs> Weirdly, that sounds exactly right to me. No offense to any Presbyterians, but that sounds exactly like what they would be up to to me for some reason. And the 12 tribes were like, this is our last straw. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so then they became the Vine Christian Community Church. During this time, they planted churches, each with its own yellow deli, little coffee shop and, and eatery uh, in Georgia, Alabama, and Tennessee. Um they ran into problems kind of across the board, as any startup does. They're living communally. They're being super judgy of other people. The neighbors don't like it. So they ran afoul of the law. Let me restate that, actually. They didn't run afoul of the law, but they garnered a lot of attention from the law. Uh, and at one point, one of them got a public defender to defend the group, and she stopped being a public defender and married him. <laughs> Found the group. So oh my god, she's an old an OG at this. Point. I love that. Originally, she was their public defender. I do too. I like somebody that's all in. They started growing substantially in the eighties and nineties. They opened branches in Canada, Australia, Brazil, Spain, Germany, Argentina, and the United Kingdom. And they eventually renamed themselves the Twelve Tribes. Better name. They're still booming and doing great today. Yeah, they've definitely settled on the Twelve Tribes. Uh, their leadership within themselves is structured as a series of councils, which consists of local councils, regional councils, a global apostolic council. It is overseen with these councils by a fluid number of teachers, deacons, deaconesses, elders, and apostles. One nice thing is that they uh, are not sexist in their um, leadership and, and prophesying. Like women can be as much a part of that as uh, they say that. I don't know who their upper echelons are. You know that question was coming. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. This sometimes does happen where people will say like, I do want to acknowledge it does sometimes happen where people will say we have women, they preach, they are allowed in leadership, but it's very like, like a tightly controlled. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I've definitely been in, I've, I've definitely been to churches where it's been like, oh, look at all these women that are totally involved in doing things. And they're very much in service to the male yeah. leaders that are doing things. So I do. So I just say this to, to be my cynical devil's, advocate person to, to bring this cynical level in but not because that's happening here necessarily no reason to think that the women would be fine if it were because that is their they consider that to be their role so i you know i don't know what happens in the upper upper echelons and when sexism what level it comes into play but i'm just saying like th what they put out is that you know women have and uh, you know better some freedom than none i guess so um while Gene Spriggs is their founder, they are really clear that he is not regarded as a spiritual figurehead. Um, so now we'll move a little bit into their beliefs and practices. The 12 tribes believe uh, belief resembles those of Christian fundamentalism, the Hebrew roots movement, Messianic Judaism, and the sacred name movement. 
However, the group believes that all other denominations are fallen, as I mentioned, uh, and refuses to align itself with any denomination or movement. It believes that in order for the Messiah to return, the church needs to be restored to its original form as described in Acts. So it actually believes that living communally is part of the requirement for uh, Yeshua coming back. Oh, interesting. Okay. It's a requirement. Uh, Their communities are so great. Uh, The creation of a new Israel, which should consist of 12 tribes, which are located in 12 geographic regions as part of their belief system. Um, Mm. They do return to the old rules of observing the Sabbath. Um, They follow some of the Mosaic law, mostly the dietary laws and the festivals. Um, And they do believe that the end times have arrived, though no dates have been set. Um, one of their frequently asked questions is like, do you stockpile weapons? They do not. They do not believe that they need to defend themselves in any way. So they're not, they don't have any weapons at all. Um, and then, okay. you know, uh, are you preparing for the end times? And no, they are not. They, For one thing, they don't think that they have a date. And I think that they don't view it as a tribulation situation. I think that they view it as like a second coming and a separating. So they're not worried about it. Right. Like they're into it. Well, yeah, and biblically, textually, that makes sense. They would be validated to think that if they do believe they are Jesus's or the Lord's one true church, because um, if you would believe that, you'd likely believe in the pre-tribulation, um, which is to say that God's chosen people will be taken up before the tribulation occurs. Um, so there's just a little, that really varies within different sects, but that little difference makes all the difference because that keeps you from being a prepper if your understanding is that you live in peace and accord with God, and then he just literally lifts you up like Jesus or various other figures in the Bible into the heavens, and then the world goes to hell, literally, um, the most accurate use of that phrase, and then you come back down to rule the earth. It's the perfect setup. If you believe it, it's perfect. It's so preferable. My church was end of the world. We had one focus, and it was the narrow part of the world timeline where it was in tribulation. That's all we ever talked about. So. Very stressful. I believe that you could be taken up really briefly. I believe you could be taken up, but I also believe there was a chance you might not get taken up and you wouldn't know until the very last minute, which means that you had to be fully ready to, you know, die for for the Lord. Um, Kill your neighbor for a can of peas. Yeah. yeah, There's a lot, you know, you're getting into it. So anyway, let's 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 dive further. I also that was also my understanding of the end of the world, which was nigh. I love it. I love it. They, a big thing of theirs is the three eternal destinies of man. Now, the 12 tribes, much like Zendik Farm, is hugely known for their zines. They make really beautiful zines. Uh, again, men and women contribute equally. They write poetry. They have beautiful illustrations. It's all about their belief systems. There's a lot they write about the three eternal destinies. Um, and you can get their beautiful um, zines just about anywhere that's a big city because they're going to be in their cafes and delis. Um, and they're outfacing businesses are mostly yellow deli cafes and common sense coffee houses, I believe they're called. Um, so they're, they're all over the place and they're filled with very recognizable 12 tribes people. So, you know, when you bumble into one and they're full of their lovely, um, I mean, they're just really aesthetically pretty. They're, um, their newspapers and zines. All right. So the three eternal destinies, the group believes that there are three eternal destinies and that after dying, every person goes into a state of being called death, regardless of faith. So when you die, you just die. Now this is biblical too. I believe the Jehovah's witnesses believe this. Um, So when you die, you're just dead. You're just unaware. You're basically paused. Upon the second coming, believers will be brought back for the thousand years to reign with Yeshua on earth before the last judgment. So we get a thousand years of like peace and reigning with Yeshua if you're 
a believer. So it's like a Garden of Eden. At the end of this millennium, all of the non-believers will be judged according to their deeds and put into one of two groups, the righteous and the filthy and unjust. The filthy and unjust will be sent to the lake of fire, while the righteous will go on into eternity and fill the universe. And then, of course, amongst the righteous are the 144,000 who would be like ruling in heaven while while the others basically right. live in an eternal Eden. So that's that's the basic beliefs of the 12 tribes. Um, uh-huh. Their worship. They describe themselves, they say, our worship is in a circle, a gathering of men and women and children, young and old, married and single. All can speak and all are heard because our father communicates with every one of his children. More understanding and revelation from his spirit comes every day to help us know how to deal with the unusual situations, problems, and purifying circumstances that arise in everyday community life. Finally, all of us are priests sharing in the work of publicly praying and speaking our Father's word morning and evening. They have a worship service every morning and every evening. Um, They do not believe that God just speaks through one leader. They say, you could say that God often speaks to each of us in an audible voice. It's the voice of our friends who love us. Oh, I love the 12 tribes. I know. All right. So I pretty much. That's special. I know. Listen. (laughs) That really touched the, my heart, Jesse. The 12 what a tribes nice, have detractors, what a nice and we're going to get there, but I just effing love them so much. They love community. They're so loving in their speech. It's hard not to jump in there. Um, I wrote down the, the look here, but I've actually kind of already described the aesthetics to you, so I'll skip that part of what I wrote. I will say um, a lot of people ask about why their men's hair is so specific in that ponytail with the leather headband. So their answer to that is, as a people, we seek to be pleasing to our creator, including the way we wear our hair. So our hairstyle is a very simple one. There are no photographs of our master Yeshua. However, it is unlikely that his hair was long and unbound as in many paintings, which is true. Like he just had flowing hair, like out in the desert doing carpentry work. They always make him so handsome. Like he's some kind of movie star with his long curly locks. And it's like, it's specifically said that he was a homely man who wouldn't attract attention to himself. That's not, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many levels of which he's not, yeah, he's not a supermodel, he's Jesus, okay, let's be real. So they're right, absolutely on the same page here. <laughs> I love it. They say, we think he wore his hair in a short, bound way, and we want to be like him in every way. All right. I mean, what can't argue with it? I love it. One noted aspect of the group, as I've mentioned, is its insistence on using the name Yeshua as opposed to Jesus. Because the name Yeshua to them represents the nature of Jesus, the group similarly bestows upon each member a Hebrew name, which is meant to reflect the personality of that individual. I'll get into that a little bit more. There's more to it than that, but I'll get there. I'm saving some good surprises as we go. As a person who has named in a very biblical sense, Jesse, I absolutely jumbled that when I said it. Wow. But as a person who's named very biblically, um, I am so into names. It's been like, I don't think I had, I don't think I consensually became into names. I think I just had to be because people have been messing my name up my whole life. Um, But I love names. I love when people get a secondary name. I love the divine naming. I love the idea of, I mean, this is like, there are religions I would never touch that I see them doing this. And I'm like, nice. I like that. Nice touch. You know, like, I'm not going to name them specifically, but there are are places out here where I'm like, I would never join that. And I'm like, that sounds nice. (laughs) That one bit right there sounds pretty good. I'd like to have a holy secret name. All right. Sounds pretty nice. Oh, it's so great. It's so great. I Sometime I'll tell you all the names I've answered to. Um, 
It's great. Okay, so then they say about their communal living, we all live together. He, We who wrote the articles on this website, so that I'm, I'm pulling this from their website, actually live together like an extended family, sharing all things in common, just as the first disciples did in the first century. The Bible plainly says regarding the first church, quote, all who... Belie- all who believed were together and shared all things in common. So that's the most common, common Christian communal living quote from the book of Acts. Some people say that this was only for way back then, but we've been living this way for over 40 years. You can come and see for yourself at any of our locations. Um, living in households. In each of our communities, there are one or more houses in a cluster, some in cities and some on farms. Several families and single people live together in each house according to the size of the house. We like large houses because we like to live together. Married couples have their own rooms plus as many adjacent rooms as needed for their children. The single men share one or more rooms as do the single women. We share a common kitchen and dining room where we take our meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart. They do not watch TV. They don't think it's healthy for their children. It says, we see human relationships as the central focus of our lives. We are learning on a daily basis to be friends and pay attention to each other's real needs. TV would be a distraction and would be detrimental to our learning and loving each other. They gather daily. It says, in at least one of our houses, we cluster and have a large gathering room where we gather together every morning and evening to worship our creator in song and dance. We are all free to speak from our hearts the things we are learning as our Heavenly Father teaches us through one another according to the gifting and grace given to each person. Uh, As a spiritual priesthood, we pray together for the pressing needs of our people and for our Father's will to be done on earth. After our morning gatherings, we have breakfast together and then go work in our various places doing the deeds prepared for each of us. We work together in our own cafes, farms, cottage industries, and trades, not as independent contractors or employees of outside companies. All income from our various endeavors goes into a common purse from which all of our needs are met equitably. We don't have our own independent income or independent debts to carry. So just really briefly, I there's a long list of their businesses, but I'll just name a couple. They do have their own printing press. As I mentioned, they put out all their zines. They have a construction company. Um, they have a soap and body care line, and sometimes they contract to other uh, businesses to do their body care lines as well. Um, they have a chain of shoe stores and outdoor outfitters. They have a yerba mate import company. That's just because they drink so much yerba mate. They just drink so much yerba mate that they had to import it themselves. Oh my gosh, that's efficient. Good job, guys. Right to the source. Be self-aware like that. You know, if you're consuming that much yerba mate, you've got to just, <laughs> I love it. Capitalize on it. Uh, they have tribal trading and organic foods distribution company. Um, and then they have the Yellow Deli restaurants and the Common Ground Cafe restaurants. Common Ground Cafe, not Common Sense, as I said earlier. Um, so that is their, those are their businesses. They have a lot more. Do we, yes. Did we have one of these coffee shops or did they just have the same name? There was a coffee shop called Common Grounds and there, there was one in Springfield when I moved. I was going to say that's a pretty good, like a pretty solid coffee shop name. So probably other people are coming up with it on their own, which is, which I guess, I, I guess works because it's not like they're really trying to go out of their way to just like be a big no, no triety moment you know that didn't go well i do know about the yellow deli stuff and i know it didn't go super well for them to get a lot of focus on that so that makes sense i just got excited for a second i was like have i met these people are they there in springfield well you may have met their people i have seen their people in springfield because they send their men sometimes on on what they call on walk arounds so they'll just like walk through the countryside by two and like 
be a witness to people if people ask them about it. Right. So they'll like just stay in people's houses as they're invited or not. They don't have much money. They don't have a cell phone to call home. They'll call home from your house and check in if they stay with you. And they'll just witness about the 12 tribes. Like they're basically out gathering people that might be drawn to them. So I have seen 12 tribers doing what I could see was that um, in our own downtown in in Springfield, Missouri. I, the community I was at was up by Lake of the Ozarks, which is a couple dry hours drive north of us. Um, so they do have a cafe there. Okay. Or they did at some point. Okay. All right. Just, I won't, I won't jump in any further, but I was just curious for, for a second. I was, when you said the new name, I was like, now wait, now wait, I think I've been to one of those, but I don't, I think this was just a random additional one. I didn't see the outfit. There's no way you wouldn't know. The outfits stand out. The aesthetic stands out. It's extremely clean. It's extre- extremely plain and it's extremely um, like it it just feels like you've walked into a clean homesteader's beautiful setup and the, and the food really separates itself. Like I wish we had food like that in our area. I love it. That, that makes sense. I have attended festivals where they have like pop-up yellow delis. So I know that even if you go to like a music festival, you have good odds of seeing a yellow deli. Hmm. Okay. I love it. That is interesting. Yeah. Which brings us to food. Um, food is a big, big part of their lifestyle and of their religion. They practice only organic agriculture and object to the allowance of genetically modified crops under organic standards. Um, they negatively compare other religions to genetically modified seeds and they consider themselves to be like the heritage seeds, which are not, you know, uh, compromised the way that other religions are. So I think that's interesting. Um, They say healthy eating is pleasing to our creator. One of the foundations of good health is good nutrition. Our focus is on whole grains, legumes, nuts, and seeds, fresh oils, fresh fruits, and vegetables. We learned long ago the great value of eating most of most all of our fruits and vegetables raw or lightly cooked. Thus, their nutritive energy remains intact, providing the necessary enzymes in order to do their work in our bodies. Our bodies are designed to be healthy and to heal themselves if they are provided the necessary nutrients free of pollutants. We also do not believe in the needless slaughter of animals just to satisfy a craving. For this reason, we do not eat meat too often. However, we do consider it something special for a festive meal and prefer to draw from our own livestock for such occasions. However, the healthiest varieties of fish, such as mackerel and bluefish, are a regular part of our diet whenever we can get them. Common sense has also taught us to drink plenty of fresh, pure water and get appropriate aerobic and anaerobic exercise. Going to bed with the confidence of a good conscience does so much to aid the rejuvenating effects of sleep through the night, restoring our strength and mental clarity for another day of service to our families, friends, neighbors, and our creator. Other staples of our diet include Vinny, a beverage made with apple cider vinegar, honey, and water, Celtic salt, a natural unrefined sea salt, and extra virgin olive oil, pumpkin seeds, and our own goat's milk and the soft cheeses we make from it. We have medicinal value. We find medicinal value in kelp and blue green algae, and have found numerous remedies from our friends, the honeybees. Wildly, literally, exactly the way that I was raised with food. Culinarily, so- literally the exact same. Like all of that stuff. My mom and these people, Celtic salt. We had that growing up. Oh yeah, this is right up my. I was like. Uh huh. Uh-huh. The only thing I can't, only thing I can't totally not along with is that we were never quite so 
um, pastorally divine as to have goats that we also made that we did make our own butter. Let me be very clear. We did have cows. We did, we did turn our own butter. Um, but we never made our own goat cheese. So I just want to be very clear. But everything else, I'm right there with them. And man, it makes you feel good. You run real clean. It's all true. Absolutely true. Um, I remember the women in our church constantly, constantly talking about how if you don't poop three times a day, there's something really problematic. We lived on uh, this pilaf blend that was like a, considered to be a perfect protein because it had all the right like lentils and stuff. We had pilaf as a meat substitute in everything that we ate. Um Yeah, no, very similar here. We also didn't make it all the way to cheese, but I also made our own butter, but we shook it in the jar. We didn't have a churn, but it was like my favorite job, of course. Yes, dude. I love shaken butter as well. I'm familiar with all all the various (laughs) types. We had a couple churns, but shaking is also good. And gosh, you can do it all. Yeah, that was great. So that's that's how the 12 tribes feel about food. It truly is kind of a, a big part of their faith and their faith in action in their daily lives, which I think is really fabulous. Listen, we've had a lot of talk about deal breakers in cults and our number, I think we can agree that our number one deal breaker isn't like, maybe this will end in tragedy. It is, they will not give us snacks. It's the whole, the tragedy's already here if there are no snacks situation. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. I said tragedy. <laughs> it's a serious situation when there are not when there's not adequate food available. Yeah, we do not like that. So this is a big win for us, big sell. Yeah, so I, I will tell one little story about it's sort of food related here when I was at the 12 Tribes. So I was um, in and out of the 12 Tribes quite a bit uh, because I loved it so much and I lived in a commune so I could do whatever I wanted. Um, so... I I was there one time and I was at the dinner table, but we were not having dinner. It's just like, you know, people were about in their days, right? So like women were working in the kitchen, preparing the meal. Uh, people were out working in the businesses. Kids were doing kids stuff, all that stuff. So I was just sitting at the, the long dining room table, which is adjacent to the kitchen. And people are kind of milling about talking to whoever I was talking to. And there was this woman there who, okay, she was... Um, a larger woman. And I say that because they're health obsessed enough that you don't see people uh, very far outside of a smaller frame size in the 12 tribes, probably because after living there for a certain amount of time, your body is going to shape to what the diet and exercise levels are. And they're real conscious of getting exercise as well. Um, I, I, you know, I am speaking from limited experience as a person who spent some time at one community, but I, she stood out in the way they treated her around food is my point. Mm, um, and, okay. and, and which is to say she wasn't complaining. She was like, I mean, there's a, you can eat mountains of food. There's no limit on food, but she, <laughs> they were very like, make sure, you know, like they were just, they seemed conscious of what she consumed, not in a dicky, not in a dicky way, but not, not, I don't know. So I say all that to say, uh, they get handed her a, a cup of hibiscus tea like everybody else. And she was mm. like, yeah, they won't give me any ice. I, she was new. And I was like, right. oh, okay. Well, you know, so it's better to drink room temperature drinks anyway. Like that's supposedly better. Not so yet. says Oprah. That's Go better for, for your health. So uh, I was like, okay. Oprah? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and this was the, the age of Oprah. So, you know, she should have known. But I was like, oh, That's okay. Right. And she was like, yeah, no, like I can't have any ice ever at all because I really like ice. And I was like, oh, 
okay, I don't know where this conversation is going. I don't know you. <laughs> this is an odd. What? And they were, what a weird thing to just br- launch into immediately. <laughs> but it was like they handed her a cup of tepid tea and she was like, yeah, they won't give me any ice. And I was, and you're not at the 12 tribes against your will, you know? <laughs> so I was like. Right. What do you mean you won't? <laughs> okay. But like one of the other adults was like, yep, that's right. <laughs> and she was like, she was like, I just really, really like ice. And it's really hot outside and I really really would like to have a lot of ice and they were like mm-hmm, it's kind of excessive so anyway it was just it was one of the little things you know where people are like that's a cult they're controlling it was really the only time that I saw any kind of like dissension among the ranks and she was new and she was very clearly not acclimated to the lifestyle um but you know she had her own reasons for being there whatever they were but she was just like they will not give me ice and they were like that's right off we go <laughs> so. yeah okay what a weird just okay yeah i don't have any further information on that it's just an interesting thing that you know as far as the diet goes they're like this is a beautiful amazing organic diet also it is the only diet <laughs> so yeah Mm-hmm. We won't be seeing your Cheetos under the bed. Um, right. Yeah. This is this is the diet. Yeah. It's it. That, the way, the truth, and the diet. Yep. Yeah, correct. Um, when I went there at first, I stayed in what they would call like one of the sisters' rooms, which is like a single women's room. So there was like um, the upstairs over the deli or, or the, yeah, the deli, I guess it was at the time. Um, is just a series. Of, it's like a, it's a main street business building, right? So there were bedrooms up above the business and in, and that what happened to be at the time, the single women's area, right? So there were several bedrooms up there. Um, nice, cozy. They like, they have a great aesthetic. Their aesthetic is like, it's like living in a Waldorf school. Okay. That's actually oh, a perfect okay. description of, of what the 12 okay. tribes is. It's, it's all yeah. fabric curtains and most things are linen and, uh, the toys are wooden and there's no technology, but it's like clean and beautiful and they do well with sunlight. And um, so that's what 12 tribes aesthetics look like. It's living in a Waldorf school. So Goog that if you need to. Um, okay. So I stayed I in it. one of the bedrooms. There's like bunk beds, right? So everybody gets like their own little, there's, you know, uh, bunk beds, two to like four women beds. per room. It's not like you're in a barracks. It's lovely and nice, but you know, you're not hanging out in right. your bedroom a lot. Um, and I did see family suites, which were much more spacious, hmm. you know, in a family suite, it's like a main bedroom for the parents and then um, branching off to as many bedrooms as they need for their kids. So it was lovely and nice. Um, also, this is just an aside. Uh, the women, when you have a baby, which they do a lot, you get six months in bed with your baby and they just cater to you oh i mean you don't have to stay in bed but like you can stay in bed oh no i know i i I don't want i don't want you to misinterpret my reaction there to be like oh that's bad i was i went totally silent and my jaw slightly dropped for those who can't see me which is everyone um because yeah that is magical and women deserve to do whatever they want for Honestly, for me, a near indefinite amount of time after bearing a child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. But isn't that obviously they have home births as much as possible, but you know, they're like in their healing and bonding with their baby for six months, which is just the coolest. Um, anyway, so when I went and stayed, yeah, so they have lovely bedroom suites in which to do that. It's very, very nice. And tofu sandwiches are carried up to you. Um, in the girls room where I stayed, I had a single bed in a room of other 
couple of other single beds. Um, and when I got there, there was a little woven basket on my bed with like little trinkets of gifties and like several little baggies of organic dried fruit and nuts. And, and just a, you know, a little note that said like, we're so glad you're here. Yeshua loves you. We love you. And I was like, I was actually the membership coordinator at my dirty hippie commune at the time. And so it was my job to welcome guests. And I was like, why haven't I been handing out gift baskets? So that really changed how I did my job at home. Um, But it was just heavenly. The whole thing was heavenly. So that was a little bit of the food thing. They fed me some nice organic gift basket full of sweet food, but I did not evince any relationship with ice. So I didn't have to hear about that. So lessons learned. Um, (laughs) Um, uh, moving on to the culture courtship and marriage so courtship within the community involves what they call a waiting period in which the man or woman expresses their desire to get to know the other person the couple then receives input from the community while spending time together Uh, 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 lost my place sorry The couple is then betrothed, as an engaged, if their parents or the entire community, if they are adults, confirm their love and compatibility, the couple is then permitted to hold hands. That's not weird to me. Our church did courtship stuff that was actually stricter than that. I accorded. Yes. I accorded for my relationships in the beginning. Yeah, I'm familiar. Did did you like it? I actually liked courting. No. You didn't? No. I'm not a rules person. I don't like, I didn't like courting. I didn't like... Uh, I don't know. We probably don't need to get all the way into the details. But for me, it's the politics of courting that became really problematic. I'm an only child. I don't have any siblings, which means I never had a built in um, a built in escort. What is that called? Um, supervisor. There's a word for it. Chaperone. I never had a built in chaperone, which is a really big thing about having I, everybody else had siblings where I was. I'm adopted. Um, and I so I was always alone, which means that the power dynamic was always shifted in the favor of the person that I was seeing because they would always have siblings and they would have their chaperones and maybe in mass. Now, they weren't always bad. I met some really incredible. I still know many incredible people from this area. However, you can imagine the power dynamic there. It doesn't feel very good, um, especially as a young woman um, when I don't know. I don't know. I said a lot of these times I don't think that courting goes the way that people think that it does. Probably in this it does um probably oh yeah they don't even go on dates they're just like allowed to hold hands now they've been permitted the chance to hold hands with chaperones um so like i this is different but i would say like my experience with courtship in general i think is i think it's a diluted system for most people and i think that pretty fairly abusive just to like just like various tropes in most areas this is a personal feeling but i don't i don't love it that's really interesting So I had a a fully uncommon experience with courtship because my church practiced it. But by the time I was of dating age, I was essentially a homeless teenager, like a cheerleader in a high school, you know, like riding the public bus to get to my church. I didn't have any parents. I was submitting to courtship because I really loved my church and didn't want to let it go. But my family had disintegrated from me and I would no, but I had no rules of my own. So I really loved the structure of my church and was trying to cling to it. But I was like, literally like having wild teenage sexual encounters and then courting and the courting made me feel very, the, the wild teenage nights were fun, but were uh, unsafe. And I knew they were, I was looking for places to stay overnight. They were not, that was a bad time. Um, 
but courtship made me feel really safe and structured. Yes, I can totally follow that. And I, I knew other people who found courtship to be a very safe space. And I think that there are a lot of good things to say for it in in a lot of communities i would say i I will say that way um yeah and i like that i like that flip where it is like i don't know it was a way for you to be closer in practice to your group which is i love things like that i love a way of demonstrating faith um but i also and this is not calling you out this is calling out literally pretty much everybody i ever knew as a young person i also got very tired of the whole like I'm courting holier than thou thing. And then I'd find out like no one was a virgin, you know? And then I'd be like, what do you mean? You know, like that drove me insane. They wear like their long skirts and they like dowdy hand tucks. And they'd be like ice skating 10 feet apart from the man. And then like later they would, you find out that they had done hand stuff in the butt. Yeah. And you're like, what do you mean? You know, like I wasn't doing hand stuff on the, but I thought we were really all taking this seriously. I was actually abstinent guys. What? Right. I was, I was obeying in the group I was in. I wasn't on the nights (laughs) I wasn't there. I was like, well, I'm not there, but (laughs) yeah, I think you're right. And and I can, on another podcast and we're talking about other groups, I will tell you the horror stories that I know from that. They're pretty awful. All right. Back to courtship and marriage. Here's what I love in the 12 tribes. So now you're say that you actually make it to the, your, your wedding. So they say weddings are dramatized pre-enactments of what the group believes will happen at the end time when Yeshua returns to the earth for his bride. Now I have been to a 12 tribes wedding. It is the most lovely, just, heavenly i'll try to get through it quickly because i want to tell you about it but i won't take all the time in the world so they truly are reenactments of what they believe will happen when yeshua comes and this is i love it so much i love it so much you guys okay so they build a beautiful backdrop of like a blue sky with clouds in it and there's like a little ramp up to it so you're like up in the cloudy sky what are you kidding you get me married, right like so there's a backdrop <gasps> Oh, it's so theatrical sounds and fabulous. Oh, girl, we're only at the beginning. So it's an all-day celebration. You know, they're circle dancing all day. They're singing all day. They're playing hand drums and acoustic guitars all day. There's obviously, like, just buffets of heavenly, wonderful, organic food all day long. So here's my favorite part. So in the community, everybody receives their Hebrew name whenever they join right? Or you're born into it and you always have that name. Uh, When you get married, this is my favorite thing. It's so culty. I love it so much. Your husband renames you according to who he finds you to be. So you get a new name as a bride upon getting married, but he doesn't tell you your name. It is your surprise on your wedding day. I recognize that this could go horribly wrong, but I think it's the coolest thing in the universe. And of course, it's the man thing. I'm sure that's because I, you know, sometimes I don't like that power dynamic, but I like whenever there's like a dance and this feels like, I don't know, men can do things for women like this and it's and without it being like a possessive thing. And even though literally naming someone feels on some level possessive, I I see more nuance here. I won't lie. I think there is something really special about, I mean, you're marrying this person. You're trusting this person to become one with them, right? So in that space, I think it's a special sacred space where it would be safe. I kind of wish they renamed each other, but like, 
But I, I, I think there is something sacred there. And I think it is really interesting. Also, like, what do you... I don't know. I could get behind it. I could. What do you want from your boyfriend for every gift? You want a gift... Uh, listen up, you know, two men that are listening to this podcast. <laughs> what... I know for myself, and I think this is true for most of us, you want your partner to get you a gift that tells you what they think about you. That's what all gifts are in the romantic realm, right? It tells you if if your boyfriend, for example, my child's father used to give me the most thoughtful, just I listened to what you said and here's the thing that you needed gifts in the world. And then when we weren't together anymore, he got me a $25 gift card from a gas station. And that's because my son begged him not to just get me candy from the gas station. Right. So, but point being that gift told me what he thought of me. Does that make sense? Here I listen to you. I hear I hear what you need. Here's the gift that speaks to you. Like he gave me a miter saw once, which everyone was like, that's not romantic. It was the most romantic thing because I talked about how I needed one forever. And he listened to me, right? He told me what he thinks about me. Oh, you you want to do this thing? Here's the tool for you to do it because I trust you and I I see your value and I listen to you. You know, like, oh, let me spell out to you what I think of you. I think you're a $25 gas station gift certificate. <laughs> Right. <laughs> yes, dude. I, I, I saw I saw this. I think it was like a tweet or something like a couple weeks ago that said if you want to like fall, like if you want to like sober up and finally leave him, just read his text messages that he sends you. Really read them. Just read what he says to you. And, you know, you should be able to fall right at, snap right out of it. Now, I don't think I don't think that's 100 percent true for everybody, of course. However, I did see that. And I was like, there are so many people in general that could read this and learn a lot, you know, like just look at what he's giving you. Just look at what they are providing you. You know, like, are they bringing you some, yeah, they're telling you what they think right now actively. Yeah. But imagine, imagine him bringing you instead a sacred name, your new name here. I have looked at you and who your soul is. And I have searched out the Hebrew language, which I don't speak. And I have found you your new name. I, what an ultimate gift. If it's a loving happy relationship. So here you are at your wedding day. Not only are you excited that you're getting married, you are getting your new name from your husband, which is such a surprise and such a cool gift. And so here's the best part. They believe that Yeshua will call you out to him from among the people when it's time, right? So the husband comes out and reenacts Yeshua calling you out and you're hiding somewhere, right? You're hiding. They can't see you. And they call you out with your new name. This got me so Raquel, good. Raquel, this where ate are you? me up. Uh oh, I didn't even know. Then you come running out from your hiding place, like you've been called from the wilderness, and you run up the ramp and you you receive your new name and your husband in the heavenly backdrop they built for you. What? Mm. <laughs> no, that's too much. <sighs> okay, on to children. Uh, but remember this when I'm asking you if you're going to join this group. Okay, on to children. The 12 tribes believe that it is the parents' responsibility to properly enforce a consequence for sin, in parentheses, wrongful action, words, or behavior, so as to allow the child to maintain the state of a clean conscience. This ch- causes the child to understand accountab- accountability to the choices that they make. This also enables future generations of the group to hopefully be part of the 144,000. 
Children are exclusively homeschooled. Within the group, teenagers may take on apprenticeships in the group's industries, corporal punishment with what they call a reed-like object. It's usually a balloon stick. That's most common for them. You know, those white sticks um, across the child's bottom uh, is their common punishment, though they say that they never hit them in anger and that they're really gentle. Uh, former mem- members who grew up in the group say punishments can include far more severe implements. Um, so there's there's some controversy there. Uh, Twelve Tribes does not send their children to college, believing that college is not a healthy environment, either for learning or social development. I will say my church speci- and my parents told me never to go to college because it would be a total waste of my time because the world was going to end in my... Oh, yeah. that's There it is. <laughs> That'll keep you from going to college. It's a fa- it's- I didn't go to college till my late 20s. Fair and when point. I did, I had to just... Yeah. No, I had to just... In my late 20s, when I was like, wait a minute, this isn't panning out and I could really use a degree. I had to walk onto a college campus and just ask people walking past me like, hey, how do you go to college? What what do I do? And they had to like point me out like you go over here, you do this thing. I'd, I had no no one had ever told me. And by the way, I made straight A's in school. Um, I, I was in AP classes in my public high school. I made straight A's while being homeless. It wasn't hard. I'm good at school, but no one, t- everyone told me the world's going to end. You don't go to college. So in my late twenties, when I decided to go, no one had even told me the process. I didn't know how people accessed college. So not the best, not the best. Um, we, let's see. So here's some quotes from them about raising their children. It says we love and cherish our children. We teach them at home using a curriculum. We are developing ourselves to give them basic skills that they need to read, write, and speak effectively to live together in peace and to fulfill their created purpose. They are fully integrated into every aspect of our socially and spiritually rich tribal life. That's true. I saw a ton of that. They learn to cook and sew, build and farm, care for animals, sing and dance, play musical instruments, and most importantly, extend hospitality to the constant flow of guests who are drawn to the light of our our life of love. When they are disobedient or unintentionally hurtful to others, we spank them with a small reed-like rod, which only inflicts pain and not damage. We do not hit our children in anger, nor with our hand or fist. So that's what they say about raising their children. Uh, Here's a quote from someone who grew up in the 12 tribes. She says, I remember constant welts on my hands, thighs, and butt. Uh, Children are expected to obey on the first command. I did also see that. But you know what? I see that in the Amish. I see that in a lot of groups. Uh, Without talking back or complaining, they are not allowed toys or bikes and cannot engage in fantasy play. They read only the Bible and the group's dogma. The former members I spoke to claimed most children were beaten multiple times a day for transgressions as innocuous as forgetting to raise their hand at the dinner table um, in horseplay. So I find that believable. Having lived for a longer time with the Amish, I saw almost identical child behavior and child raising. I did spend time enough at the 12 tribes that I did um, enjoy being rambunctious with the children. And and so they they have space to be rambunctious, but it is very defined. And I'll, I'll talk more about that in a minute. I want to just jump into their controversy page for a moment here, because it's almost entirely about children. Um, they are accused of having some racism, not because of 
uh, any treatment within them. Within there's nobody is saying that anybody experienced racism, and and they are quite diverse in their recruiting inside the twelve tribes. But um, they do fully condone slavery in the Bible, which people consider to be racist of them. I, having read the Bible, I don't recall that slavery in the Bible even was race-based. It just seemed like whoever won whichever latest battle. But in any case, that's a, that's an accusation leveled against them. Nobody suggests that it's a problem in the community. They suggest that it's a problem with their theology. Um, yes. Uh, and then the biggest controversy about the 12 tribes is about their children. They did get raided uh, by the FBI looking for, they were working for Estee Lauder in their skincare factory and they had teenagers working in the factory. So again, the problem with the 12 tribes is that they get all this bad press when they get raided, which they regularly do or did. They did for a while. Um, and then they are always cleared of the charges. Um, they, they haven't really had any actual fines levied against them or punishments levied against them, but they get raided and it makes all this news and then nobody follows up with like, and also they weren't found guilty of anything. Uh, so again, though, nobody's really arguing the fact that they have children working. The argument is that they shouldn't have children working, but it's kind of a gray area because they would call it an apprenticeship. Um, I got to say, I fall on the side of the 12 tribes on this one. Having lived in lots of communities where children are or are not integrated into the framework of the society, I love little working kids. And I I was a working kid and I felt great about it. Uh, Does that speak to everyone's experience? No. Have people grown up in the 12 tribes and had shitty families and bad experiences? A hundred percent. And that's your your experience, which is much more informed than mine about the 12 tribes. But... um, I, I think it's excellent. I feel guilty every time I take my son to the Amish and I see their children driving a buggy at age six and Solace does not know how to drive a buggy or wield a pitchfork. And I feel like I'm not being a good mom to him. Um, that The other thing that I want to say about this is there was, so in 1984, there was a big raid on their island pond community in Vermont. Um, and what happened here is that the feds swooped in and took hundreds of members of the 12 tribes with all of their children. Now, again, so this was for child labor um, and child abuse accusations. The ACLU called the raid frightening and the greatest deprivation of civil liberties to have occurred in recent Vermont history. Um, All the children were ultimately returned. All the charges were ultimately dropped. Uh, Yes, they spanked their children. Yes, they integrate them into their work. It did not rise to their ability to prosecute that. But that shocked the 12 tribes so much in the early 80s. I heard about this on my first day there. Um, that's how much like it is a part of their culture. So um, that's a that was a, a massive hit to their worldview. So up until that, which was about 10 years into the community, up until that, um, they were doing what most religious communities do, which was kind of folding themselves away from the world. What they did when they had the Island Pond Raid was decide we have to be as open and transparent and accessible to people as possible so that they will not take our children away. And at that point, they switched their tactics from like farming and turning internally. That's why they have so many cafes and delis. They they literally buy a building on whatever is called Main Street in whatever town they move to and make that their open facing building so that nobody feels like they can't see what the kids are doing. 
So it was a major impact on their culture. Uh, the children, the way they treat the children is the big uh, controversy with the 12 tribes. Um, and that is what I know about the 12 tribes, people who want to come and visit. Uh, it's uh, Their website says, as long as a person respects our ways, he is welcome to stay in one of our homes and share in the normal life we have there. We expect visitors to participate in our social life and to ask questions about whatever they see. Um, they do believe in the separation of church and state uh, because they don't want the government involved in their religion. Um, and they do not vote because they do not feel that they are, uh, that God's kingdom is of this world. They don't feel like they should have any say in that. They do pay taxes because they, they have never sought religious exemption from taxes because they say that they drive on the roads and should probably chip in. So that is the 12 tribes. I will tell this one last personal story because this is my most transformational moment at the 12 tribes and it does involve the children. And I would say if there's one thing that has been a cornerstone to me as a parent myself, it was this afternoon that I spent at the 12 tribes. So I was at the 12 tribes. I'm in the dress, in the bloomers, in the smock, in the headscarf, and so is everyone else. It's me and the women. We're at the big mansion house. Now, this house happened to have come with a pool. They bought it relatively recently. Um, this is years ago. Um, I'm sure it's an old pool now, but it, it was relatively new to them at the time. It was a hot summer day. We were working in the flower gardens uh, on the lawn. So it's me and the women working and the children playing and working around us, right? They're working too. The kids are working, but they're like, being kids about it. Um, and as we're working, the kids said, can we go swimming? We really want to go swimming and have fun in the water. And the, the parents said, um, no, not right now. Right now we're working. So you need to focus on your work. And the kids said, oh, but we really, really want to go swimming. And the parents said, well, when we're done here, we, we can do that. We can go swimming when we're done working. But right now we're doing this. And one of the little boys popped up and said, I'm going to get my work done really fast so I can go swimming. And all the women in unison laid their tools down and turned towards him, <laughs> like in a movie, <laughs> like in a scary movie about a cult. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> yes. In, isn't there a scene in Midsummer where this happens? Like she's in the kitchen and they're all just like, Yep. Okay. All right. So this is a classic cult moment. I love it. It was a classic cult moment. And there they are in all their garb. They all put down their tools. They all shift toward this boy who had just said, I'll repeat, I'm going to do my work really fast so I can go swimming. So they all turned toward him. And one of the mothers said, later, we're going to go swimming. But right now we're doing our work and we value our work as much as we value our play. So the two events are not connected. You are not going to do your work so that you can go swimming. You're going to do your work because it's valuable. And later we'll do a different thing that has nothing to do with right now. And it was so profound to me because at the time I'm living in another commune. I don't have kids myself yet, but I, I'm watching my friends who have kids raising their kids in community. Right. And I hear all the time this exact thing. Right. Oh, hurry up and eat your vegetables or hurry up and clean your room so we can go to the creek so we can go to this, do this fun thing. That's what parents always do. Right? That's maybe the most normal parent thing is to say, hurry up and get your chores done so we can move to the fun thing. But all of these women paused in unison, shifted to put all of their focus on this little boy. And they were like, this is valuable. This is, we don't, work is not a thing we have to get through to go do something else. Our work is just as valuable as our play. It's what we're doing. What we're going to do later is not connected. We're not bribing you. 
you, you don't, you're not owed payment for this. This is our value. Later we'll shift our, to the other thing we value. And it was just so, I don't know if it's, I'm expressing it in a way that it was as profound to me as it was, but it was just, it just sat itself down in my soul as a cornerstone for what kind of parent I would be. And I do that with solace with everything. And I think I'm making a better husband for someone and a better citizen for the world by any time that he is like, you know, oh, blah, I have to clean my room. I'm like, no, you live in your room. You value your room. Th these are our values and work is a relevant thing and it's part of our life. And we're thankful to be healthy enough to do it. And later we'll talk yeah. about what will happen after. That's I love that. I think that's really important. I think that that leads to, well, this is not a this is not a mental health podcast, but I think that that power through mentality, if I'm not mistaken, is proven to lead to disassociation problems in later life. And disassociative issues are really, really, really hard to deal with. I've had, I've dealt with them a little bit myself. Um, and so I love personally, that really speaks to me. And I love to hear that as a framing for children to say like, I especially love the concept of this is valuable and there's a reason we're doing it. Like, and we don't, we just don't do that with children these days. You know, we say like work, 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 and then you can watch TV or, you know, like go, go, go. And then it's Paw Patrol. I don't know. You know, like I, I'm not also, I just want to be very clear, not totally speaking out of my own nonsense, non-parenting background. I did nanny for a long time. So um, I, yes, you, she knows she can back up that I was in fact a nanny. Um, and so I, I know what it's like on some level, not to the parenting level. Um, and I don't want to speak out of turn as a single woman, but yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. And the demands of the present day are really crushing. And yeah, the concept that no, there's something so valuable in preserving your space and doing your work and in being fully present in whatever you're doing. Very magical and I think very important lifetime stuff. I really do. It was really powerful. And by the way, we weren't even in a vegetable garden. We were in a flower garden. It was just aesthetics on the lawn. But they were like, this is our living space and it's valuable to us. So And so it is. And so it is. I love it. That is a fantastic thing. I love to hear that. Oh, 12 tribes. I love you forever. Controversies be as they may. So that is the 12 tribes. Amarin. Are you coming? No, probably not. I would visit. I would visit. Now, this is tough. This is tough because I'm going to rate them highly. I really am. Um, I think that we do. We do see there's some alignment here that that stresses me out. I have not had firsthand experience, which we have to really emphasize at this point in in the show, um, because I have only know what you have told me today. And what you've told me is fantastic. But I've also kind of addressed at the front end of this that I have some some stuff that comes up around this, some trepidation um, from my own personal background. And I think that that just plays pretty heavy here. Um, I if I was born into this community or adjacent to it would probably be fully submersed, be all the way in. I definitely appeals to my soul. Um, the concepts and the beliefs definitely, you know, they ring true for me. Some of them very true. And, and certainly some of the stuff that you talked about was profound and impactful. Um, but I think I would probably ultimately, if I'm being totally honest with myself, be a little scared off. I'm not going to lie. Mm. Uh, what would scare you off in, in the approach? I really struggle with, even though this is more of a shared gender statement within this community, um, I really struggle with the whole 
women sort of like realizing their divine one oneness which is like being a wife a mother and a nurturer basically but that kind of being the and and a spiritual person right but that kind of being your ballooned out space that you have and then like you sort of stay in that space and you keep your hair long and you wear your head covering and you take care of your children and it's very fulfilling it's a very important life and if you consensually join that fully on your own gosh, I'm all here for it. That's a beautiful way to choose to, de- to dedicate your life. However, I, it's hard for me to imagine that space without subversive stuff coming from my own triggering background. You know, it's hard for me to imagine that space without people being like, you leave this group, you die. You know, you walk out, you leave and it's over, you know, and you're, you, you, you cut your hair and God hates you. You know, like I feel that, you know, and I I feel the weight of the unspoken parts of what we're talking about in a group like this. That being said, that's why I really tout this high thing of I do not have firsthand experience with this group and anything I say is coming from a mutil, you know, mixed up background of stuff. Um, yeah. So just to be very clear for anybody in the 12 tribes that, that is listening um, or, or anybody that's considering, yeah, not a condemnation, but just from a personal honesty space. Yeah, it's hard for me to hear about a group like this without the voice in my head, the little voice in my head, um, not the voices, <laughs> the little voice in my head saying, uh, you know, uh oh, this there is potential here for this to be abused, basically, or for you to be held in. Yeah. And there's no way with this many people that it has not been abused. Um, and, you know, so people do come out of having grown up in the 12 tribes saying, like, I was abused. You know, uh, I, obviously, uh, there's like a an episode of Cults and Extreme Beliefs that covers the 12 tribes. Um, it's wa- it's worth watching, um, but it, it features a girl who grew up in the 12 tribes who like snuck out of the window and had a car pick her up in the middle of the night and had to escape. And it was terrifying. And it, it, it edged me out because I'm coming from it from the other side as a person who wished she could have stayed in the cult she grew up in and loved being at the 12 tribes. And I'm thinking like, okay, but like, why all the drama? You can walk out the front door. You're not trapped at the 12 tribes. I can speak to that. You know, you, you don't, you don't have to climb out your window in the middle of the night. But then, you know, as you just said, that girl kind of did have to because that girl was born into it. Her parents are there. Her grandparents are there. You know, and and if you cut your hair, God hates you. That's where she is at. So can she walk out the front door? She can. But can she? Maybe not. Right. There is like, yeah, it kind of built that. And you've really you've touched on this really well. You definitely heard what I was saying, because that's exactly what I'm saying is that the it can be different for every person. And while one person may just a full will choose this beautiful, patient, simpler life um, that's dedicated to the spiritual things. Yeah. Other people may feel like it's a family tradition or feel like their husband said their, you know, their high school sweetheart that they married after being approved um, says, you know, you can't do this. Sorry. I don't like that thing you're doing. You know, it just, mm, it's, it scares me. I'm, I clearly have a, a, a deep distrust of men in authority positions, which I need to work out on my own, but <laughs> I did. I did. Yeah. Look around people and we know exactly where that came from. Yep. Don't have to look far at all. But yeah, that's where that's coming from for me. But Jesse, I take it you're you are in you're on you're in on this group. You would join if you could. I'll, I'll answer your other concern really quickly. This was there was actually they have a long list of all the things that women do in the 12 tribes. Um, their role is not limited to mothering unless they want it to be. They can run businesses. They can do a, a lot of work. I would suspect they 
aren't allowed to do things like work on the cars. I did get the distinct impression that there was a division of men's and women's work when I was there. However, the women's work isn't doesn't preclude writing for their literature stuff. It doesn't preclude running businesses, but I, I think it does preclude like uh, building houses probably. Um, so there is some division, but less than you would think as far as women's roles go. Um, I, I would have read the list, but it was long and we always go long enough. Um, but yes, no, listen, here's the other thing. I'm talking about being adult going going in. I, I think as an adult going in, you really cannot go wrong. Um because you can just leave. And, and if your family isn't there pressuring you and you don't have a lifetime of indoctrination, it's not hard to walk out the front door. Um, so you basically can go enjoy it. And if it's not for you, it's not for you. And that's even okay with them. So I think as an adult going in, I'm all about it. I do not want to speak in uh, conflict to the people who grew up there and see it separately. And there are people who grew up there and will live their whole lives there. So, you know, there's no there's no communal or religious or even secular setting in which some families don't uh, heavy hand it and and function dysfunctionally. So that exists in the twelve tribes as well. Um, would I join them? A million percent, yes. I love the twelve tribes, but did I join them? No, because much like yourself, I lean into my freedom. It's just that I lean into it on like alternate days. I, if I could join the 12 tribes on like Monday, Wednesday, Friday, get out of my way. I'm in. But on Tuesday and Thursday, I want to for sure like work in a punk club. So. <laughs> yeah, I can see. Yeah, I can see. It's it just it's so. And I mean, that is what's so impressive about people. I feel like that dedicate themselves to something like this. And it's like. It is very denying of the self, you know, it's very rich. It, it is rich. Um, and I and I and I would think very fulfilling, you know, it is a work, you know, it's a spiritual work and they see it that way. They take it seriously, I would guess from what you've said um, that they take it that seriously. So in that way, yeah, it's all respect for me. And I do think that the, the, the delineation of coming in as a full adult is very important there. And that's where we just draw that personal line with me where it's like, well, as a child that has so much exposure to what's the word evangelical um christian you know fill it fill in the break religiosity the groups um as someone that's acquainted with them yeah my hesitancy level is my barrier level is much higher you know i'm not super ready to run right back into something that i'm i'm concerned there could be something subversive about as a child of something um and not necessarily even a bad thing i want to be clear but just as a child that was raised in religion um so, yeah, this is where it becomes personal. But I would say if I was just your average human adult, I could definitely see myself being being interested, being very interested in this this way of life. And maybe even as an older adult. Who knows? I'm still quite young. Not to, not to blow your mind, but I'm still I'm still quite a young, young gal. Yeah. I thought I would just bring that up for fun. Nice. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Rub it in, Amarin. <laughs> Um, I, I, I'm glad that you went on the journey with me. I hope that you enjoy the 12 tribes and I hope that you, um, like having them in your lexicon of, of cool culty groups now. Um, so you would go visit, you'd yes. go hang out. Yes, I would. I would do what you were talking about and get a better impression for myself of what was going on with the community gladly, especially if I was able to put on the appropriate 
wearing clothes ahead of time and going that whole experience like I would do that in a heartbeat I would attend a wedding in a heartbeat I know you, I wouldn't be able to literally I'm sure a bit but I would do that stuff. are they really okay I assume they'd be kind of like sacred but no that's great I would gladly attend a wedding I would befriend these people I would learn from them I would share ideas I would talk theology um I would have these people over any time um but yeah, I think the full sign off is the only thing you're going to get a question mark on. <laughs> I, I should add when I went swimming in the pool at the 12 tribes, everyone swims in the entirety of their clothes. And I actually, I went in with a shirt, but not a smock. And they were like, Hey, would you like a smock? Hey, could we get you a smock? Can I interest you in a smock? Until finally I was like, Oh, I'm not reading social cues. <laughs> <laughs> I should wear a smock. Ah, yes. Yeah, dude, that's so funny. I remember the time, I distinctly remember one time whenever there was a big youth group conversation in the area that I was a part of about how it was actually less modest for women to swim in full clothing than it was for them to wear like a modest bathing suit because of the way that clothing gets. And women were trying to be like modest and they were going in in like basketball shorts and baggy shirts and then they come out and they look like the Venus, you know, Demila because their clothes would just be sucked up on them and you know every man in a four foot radius would just immediately die um that's how it works yeah um yeah yeah right 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 so in in the pool they were rambunctious and having fun all the adults all the kids we had a blast in the pool but for sure entirely clothed heavily clothed yeah so we say that one i noticed you say that till after i'd already given my um my statement about (laughs) i'm just kidding i'm just kidding (laughs) i forgot actually but then i was like oh yeah all right uh aesthetic aesthetic yeah these guys are doing a pretty good job i'm gonna give them a seven i'm gonna give them a seven i feel like that's okay might be a little low um but i like i like the aesthetic generally i love whenever there's a i like when there are articles of clothing that everybody wears but they don't necessarily have to be like the same pattern or size yeah that's really i love that yes that always appeals to me so i just love the like i love the idea that there are smocks and bloomers and layers and everybody can just feel very comfortable in the designated this is what we wear clothing but they also have some level of choice i would guess in terms of like color or you know which smock they're wearing, right? I don't know, on some level, which I think is nice. Not to say it's like a full fashion week every week. But oh, still. I'm going to say, I'm sorry, I keep having memories and we're almost done with this. We're wrapping it up. But last little thing, I was, I spent a whole day playing with this one little girl who I just like adored and connected with. She was probably like 10 um, and we had a great day together. And toward the end, somebody said something about me not being a member of the community. And she had been standing there hugging me and she looks up at me and she goes, oh, you're not in the body? And I said, no. And she just dropped her arms off of me. She was like, oh, (laughs) I know. I I felt like crap. I was like, I'm the worst. I'm sorry. Yeah. But I like that they say they're in the body. I do like that too. I do. and And I scripturally, I appreciate it. I'm like, yeah, that's right. You guys. I like that the doctor- doctrinally, I can tell these guys are pretty sound, you know, like when it comes to their reference text and what they're doing. I could tell we could talk for 20 hours about that line by line, I'm sure. But it seems like they're they're rocking pretty close to the source, which I always appreciate. Well, I'm a 75 out of 10 on the aesthetic. It's fully my jam. If somebody can get me some of those 12 tribe bloomers, they're very specific. Please give me the hookup. We will talk. Um... I guess that's it. Amran, 
Where are you at with this one? You're not going to join. You'll go and visit. I'll go and visit. I'm not going to join. I'm giving them, I'm rating the cult fairly high in terms of aesthetic. I don't think that they're wacky at all, to be fair. Um, I don't even think the scandal stuff that you, at least, I haven't done my own research on this, but that you've shared with me, that doesn't even sound wacky. It just sounds, at worst, like some bad people did some things they shouldn't have, and a lot of people got in trouble for it. Um that's what it sounds like. I, unfortunately, I never want to see child abuse. I never want to see neglect. Uh, I have a hard line. However, I am not totally stupid. And I do know that, unfortunately, it does happen. And we have to have our eyes open to it. Um, and it can happen anywhere. It can happen in any community. It happened in mega churches where I was from. Um, and it happened in small gatherings where I was from, too. So I acknowledge that that's an unfortunate thing that happens when children are introduced at a high rate to a group. Um so yeah, I'm, I'm, I love it. I'm interested. I honestly, I'd say I'm a, I'm a learn more, you know, I'm a check yes to learn more kind of gal. I, I'm ready for the first hand. Yeah. Nice. Go do some like Google image searching just so you can see like the prettiness. Um, I think that's what's got to happen. I think for the rest of the day, I am going to get a hand drum and a headscarf and just enjoy my life. Amarin, you? Any tofu in your future? Uh, yeah, probably tonight, honestly. You said tofu so many times. I think I've been um, like kind of like lured into it at this point. I'm going to have to eat tofu. Um, and yeah, I'm breaking out the, the kimchi, the kombucha, and the hibiscus tea. Everything is coming back. I was going to say, I recommend pairing it with hibiscus tea. All right. Excellent. On that note, I'm going to look for bloomers. Guys, let me crowdsource that job. 12 Tribes bloomers, send them my way. Yes. Amarin. I adore you. I adore you. And we made this, we made it happen. And we're happy to see you guys back here next week. All right. Enjoy your life thinking about the 12 tribes till then. Until next time. Peace be with you. Bye. If you are loving Cults I Join and want to help us share the fun, here are some actions you can take. Subscribe and share the show on any podcast platform. Rate and review us on Google. This keeps us visible and gives an angel its wings. Or at least that's what our guru says. Follow us at Cults I Join on the dot com, the Facebook, and the Insta. And then hit us there with all your comments, discussions, and questions. We really do love hearing what you think. Finally, a huge thank you to our co-creators. Editing and post-production is by DeverWeb, and the biggest thanks to the incomparable Miss Devin Spruill, our theme song creator and performer. You should go soak up her music right now. And that's it, y'all. Thanks for listening, and happy culting! Cult, I join.